The UN just passed a resolution stating there are no longer any Jewish ties to the Temple Mount, only Muslim calling it solely Al-Haram Al-Sharif. Additionally, they cited 14 of their 21 annual global condemnations toward the lone nation of Israel. Despite this, there are a record number of Hebrews now visiting and praying on the Temple Mount, all while preparations are ready to go at a moment's notice for the building of the Third Temple. Military exercises are occurring along the Gaza Strip. Israel is conducting air raid drills with their citizens. Another explosion occurred at the nuclear facility in Natanz, Iran. China and Russia are forging strategic partnerships while the U.S. is still trying to re-engage the Iranian nuclear talks. This is just a tiny sampling of what took place in December. Join us now as we unpack headlines and Bible prophecy. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. Thank you very much for joining. Particularly pleased to have you for this last broadcast of 2021 as we close out the year. Uh, We're just a few short days away. So I thought it would be fitting to close out with what I titled Modern Headlines Bible Prophecy. This will be for the month of December 2021 or in the Hebrew calendar, Tevet 5782. Uh, And I will be referring to that as we move along throughout next year um, because the Hebrew calendar uh, really helps us, I think, shine a light a little bit more clearly on a lot of the events that are to come according to Bible prophecy. And it's also always just, uh, you know, if if you're looking at um, the calendar, let's say, I mean, that's God's calendar. That's the Lord's calendar. So that's why I say let's let's also you know keep that in mind. Um, but this was something I began last month where I focused on the nations, which I will continue to do. Uh, but as well as I wanted to expand this, I want to look at other trends that are going on, whether it's in the economic realm or or uh, maybe the technology and cultural and, and, and things of that nature. So we're going to be kind of it's 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 really meant to be taking a a broad uh, look at what's going on around the world and how that may line up with with prophecy. and Why? Because, you know, we are to know these things. You know, a lot of times people will look at prophecy as a doom and gloom, where I believe it's it's meant as an act of love because the Lord foreshadows things and he tells us uh, in advance of things that are to come and, so that we're not surprised. Um, I don't want to say the Lord doesn't surprise you, but meaning that if if, if there are some events that, could be considered, well, if you don't know the Lord, it could be considered uh, catastrophic. And if you do, no matter the circumstance, if your trust and your faith is in the Lord, you know you're in good hands. Uh, So I think it's uh, particularly healthy to take uh, a pulse of what's going on around the world. I think certain churches miss it. I've said this oftentimes before, where the Bible, uh, I, I think prophecy consists of somewhere between 25 to 30 percent of the Bible, and I'd say about a third of that has yet to be fulfilled. So there's a lot on the line as it lines up to most of what we're pointing to and looking towards as the second coming of Jesus. Um, but but there are a lot of things that, that are to happen. And, you know, I'll, I'll, for me, it's always about getting to the truth, getting to the heart of the matter, so, uh, you know, in this instance, we'll be looking at some of the uh, uh, Bible prophecy, but we're also going to be grabbing headlines. We're looking at history. We're looking at 
uh, politics. We're looking at kingdoms. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I, I think it's, again, this is a good thing to do. So on that note, I'm just going to pause very briefly and ask if you wouldn't mind, please hit the like and subscribe button um, and, and ring that bell, you know, share the information. Uh, you know, it, it, again, if you find this to be um, uh, beneficial, if you find this to be valuable, I'd ask you to please share it. Again, it helps us get information out. And ultimately, this is about giving you, uh, the listener or the, uh, or, or the watcher, I should say, if you're, if you're following me on video, uh, to give you the information to make informed decisions, not only about yourself and your future. If you don't know the Lord, you give you more information to consider it. But also, if you do know the Lord, maybe there's information here that you can share with others that could help somebody else. So that's really what it's about. And I always bring in different resources and references uh, to try to, again, just get at whatever the truth is, no matter where it leads us. Uh, last, I'm just going to ask you, please join our email list. Uh, you can do that by jumping on rusticoutlook.com and we just notify you of new events. We have some new things in store for 2022. But on that note, let's stay with 2021 for a minute or two or three or even more. Uh, but let, let's get into this. And if you're following me on video, I'm just showing you a montage of images from technology to AI to Facebook's transformation to the new meta name and logo to um, some, some different con uh, United Nations conferences and what we see uh, in, in Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, because ultimately that's really what everything's about. It, it, you know, Israel is the center of the world. Jerusalem is the center of, of Israel, and the Temple Mount is is the center of 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 it, of, of Jerusalem. And that's really what all the focus is, and the world is fighting against or fighting for control of of that area of the world. And it should be that alone should tell you about the significance and the relative. Uh, truth, inherent truth of the Bible, the fact that it predicted that the Lord said Jerusalem will be a burdensome stone for the world and for the nations. And sure enough, you know, it, it still is today and it has been for thousands of years. I'm also showing you other things, World Economic Forum, COVID, of course, is, is on the minds of so many people, the red flag of China, the European Union, and so forth and so on. So we're going to get into all of that right now. Uh, so let's let, let's go. So before, um, I, I want to lay out a scripture here, and, and this is really uh, Jesus, and you see this in several accounts of the gospel, where he's talking to the disciples about what will be the signs uh, of your imminent return, of the second coming of Jesus. And I'm going to point some things here that's not necessarily pointing to Jesus, but I believe that uh, the, the skids are being, being greased, let's, let's put it that way. So uh, verse 5, if you follow me on video, I, I show you here highlighted in blue. At that time, deception will run rampant. Is there deception today? Beware that you're not fooled, for many will appear on the scene claiming my authority or saying about themselves, I am God's anointed. Sadly, there are some uh, in, the, in the church who I think take it a little too far, but you know that's for you to decide. Uh, and they will lead many astray. You will hear rumors of wars nearby with more rumors of wars to come. <clears throat> Make sure that you are not thrown into a panic or given to your fears for these things are destined to happen. I should say I grabbed the Passion Translation on this, which is a little bit more of a modern vernacular. I 95% of the time I stick to the New King James. I just thought it would be appropriate for the point I, I want to bring out here. 
prepare for it, but still the end is not yet. For nations will go to war against each other and kingdoms will clash with kingdoms. So we see a lot of that. There's more uh, wars and rumors of wars than at any other time. Do we have the degree of a World War II yet? No, but there are uh, a high degree of volatility throughout the world. We're going to cover some of these these uh, um, battles and both, you know, some of them have not crossed into the battlefield. They're on the uh, they're on the cusp of it, but but certainly they are as far as the posturing in the geopolitical realm. And it goes on to say, and there will be terrible earthquakes in place after place, seismic events of epic proportion. I will say at no time in history have we ever seen so many earthquakes. You can go to the National Geo- Geological uh, Societies and, and different organizations, and you can look this up. And, and we are at an exponential rate of earthquakes. There will be famines and riots. This is how the first contractions and birth pains of the new age will begin. So he's saying, fear not, especially if you know the Lord. This, this is to be expected. They're birth pains. So let me jump down to verse 12 here. It says, brothers will betray each other unto death. Even a father his child. Children will rise up to take a stand against their parents and have them put to death. And I just wanted to point out something that I see a lot of, particularly I'm in America, so I see it a lot in America, although I I know it's happening, you know, to our neighbors north in Canada, uh, Australia, New Zealand, and some others. Um, But the government and the media is kind of encouraging people to snitch on each other, particularly when it comes to COVID, whether you've got your booster or not, or you're to do the the public campaigning uh, for for the uh, for the boosters and I'm not here to you know to talk about whether you should take your booster or not uh, that's that's your health decision and 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 that's fine whatever you decide and that's the way it should be but my point is you're seeing more and more uh, the government asking for the support of people who are not being obedient not doing what they tell them to do so. Uh, for the first time in, you know, in my lifetime, in the last year or two, uh, I see a government encouraging others to snitch on one another. And you do see it, too, where uh, even on social media, if you uh, if you espouse to a certain opinion or a certain um, uh, uh, position, you know, if you will, you can be shut down uh, because they are the thought police. They are the, uh, you know, what's telling you what you can and cannot say. So, my point here is we're beginning to see that. Uh, I, I, there was a slogan that began in 2020, we're all in this together. And the end of 2020, it says, call this hotline to report your neighbor. I mean, that's that's really kind of how it goes. And I thought when I looked at that, I said, you know, there's there's a similarity to what I see in Scripture here. It's it's not the sign, but I, I again, this is kind of what I would say, greasing the skids getting things warm uh, for eventually what they will want to do. So I'm going to jump to the United Nations. Uh, and this these these are things that just happened in the last month, maybe six weeks. But with this happened in December. They condemned Israel 14 times in 2021, only five times for the rest of the world combined. Let that sink in for a minute. Uh, Israel, this tiny little nation the size of New Jersey, surrounded by enemies, and they have been condemned 14 times by this group of world nations, and the rest of the world's only five times. 
So that in of itself should tell you there's something there's something afoul here. Again, I would say that's another instance of the validity of the Bible because this is clearly an anti-Semitic sentiment. They're trying to eliminate Israel. They're trying to eliminate Jerusalem. In the year 2021, out of this, out of out of some 20 UN general resolutions that criticized countries, 14 of them, which was 70 percent, was focused on one country. Uh, the resolutions they included an oil slick on the Lebanese shore, uh, which was to be censored under sustainable d- development, uh, and it, this refers to a an incident from the 2006 war between Hezbollah and, and Israel. And then there's another uh, resolution condemning Israel for its role in the Golan Heights, which they own uh, and and they rightfully own. So, you know, this is what's going on in the United Nations. I'm going to jump down to the bottom paragraph on the left. We note that while France, Germany, Sweden, and other European Union states have supported nearly all 14 of the resolutions adopted against Israel, the same European nations failed to introduce a single resolution on the human rights situations in China, Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, Cuba, Turkey, Pakistan, Vietnam, Algeria, or the 170 other countries. So, you know, it should be no surprise some of these countries are, you know, oppressing people. They're, they're treating people despicably, and they're hunting them down. They're killing them. They're torturing them. But there's no mention of that. There's no mention of that. But let's criticize Israel. Uh, next to the right, there was an interesting statue that was just put up in front of the United Nations. Uh, it, it's, uh, it, it, it looks somewhat similar to the beast in Revelation of 13.2. It's called a Guardian for International Peace, and it now sits on the Visitor's Plaza outside of the UN headquarters, uh, not 25, 30 miles from my home in New York City. Uh, the, it's, the Guardian is a fusion of a jaguar and an eagle, and it was donated by the government of Mexico. It is created by artists Jacob and Maria Angeles. The UN says in a tweet that it includes a photo of the statue. I show you the, f- the photo here. You can make of it whatever you want, but why do we have this Guardian of Peace like this? What, it, you know, what is that? So, you know, I say there, there, there's something here that, that smells a little funny. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll try to be polite, uh, but this this beast is now sitting in front of the UN. Take that for whatever it's worth. Uh, they pass resolutions now ignoring Jewish ties to the Temple Mount. This just happened a couple of weeks ago here in December. The UN General Assembly approved a resolution of 129 to 11 uh, on Wednesday. It was actually two weeks ago that disavows Jewish ties to the Temple Mount and called it solely by its Muslim name of Al-Haram Al-Sharif. The text referred to as the Jerusalem Resolution. It is a part of a push by the Palestinian Authority and other Arab states across the UN. They want to rebrand Judaism's most holy site as as an exclusively Islamic one. The United States did oppose the text, and they said, in the, uh, they said that of the omission of inclusive terminology for the sacred site to three faiths was of real and serious concern. So, you know, clearly the place where Jesus was tried, Jesus was crucified. It was the place of the, uh, of, of the, of the first temple, the second temple, and, and it will be, you know, where the third temple gets rebuilt. 
Um, but so they're saying that the, the Israeli people, the Jewish people, have no rights, no history bound to this location, which is absurd. And it's also, you know, this was captured in 1967 uh, by the Jewish people. They gave it uh, to to the uh, Arabs at the time, to the, well, this was before the PLO. No, yeah, I guess, yeah, it was just before the PLO. Um, you know, they gave them that rights as an act of peace or an a, a gesture of peace, I should say. And it's now controlled by the Jordanian government in concert with the Palestinian Authority, other people trying to get their hands in on it. But, you know, it's just ridiculous to say that the Jewish people have no uh, uh, no history uh, tying them to the Temple Mount. So I show you here uh, on the lower right, these are the nations that voted in favor for this, the 11 that voted uh, against, and then there was 31 abstentions. So, you know, this is what's been going on over the past couple of weeks at the UN in New York City. There was a new Hanukkah record set at the Temple Mount. So this was very interesting. So um, let me just say that if, if you look at the, the history of what's going on, you have the United Nations and Israel coming to be in 1948, 1967, you have the capture of Jerusalem. And incidentally, in those two areas is when you had the blood moons, and then you had it again in 2014 and 2015, which is really when the Jewish people began to ascend to the Temple Mount and, and pray. So what's going on there now is uh, they, they've been keeping track of, of the visitors up there. There's over 11,000 Jews assembling to the Temple Mount since the Jewish New Year began three months ago, 11,000. Comparatively, in 2017, total, there was 4,426. So, uh, you know, there are many Jews refrain from this, they, they, you know, because there, there are certain things they can and cannot do. I've been to the Temple Mount, so I understand, and you have to be very respectful and dress appropriately. Um, but it, I, I guess, it, you know, what I'm, what I'm pointing out here is as time goes by, more and more people, more and more of the Hebrews and the Jewish people are going to the Temple Mount. They're praying. It's happening. Um, you know, the property still belongs to the Al-Ask Mosque, to that, that group with the Jordanians and, you know, and the Palestinians and, and, and other nations have a hand in it. Um, but more and more, this is happening. Um, there was a reenactment of temple ceremonies in Israel. So for those of you who don't know, I'll tell you right now, all of the uh, traditions and all of the uh, his historical records of, of what takes place in the Temple Mount, the, the people in Israel, they're ready for it. They've, they've, uh, they have all the materials, the instruments, they've trained the priests, they have the Levites. Um, so everything is ready to go and they're reenacting it and they're getting ceremonies. There will be sacrifices there. And this will happen in the Third Temple. Uh, you know, the, I'll just leave it at that. Um, I'm going to jump down to the third paragraph on the right. It says, The group held a demonstration of the anointing of Kokin Gadal, the Jewish high priest. The anointing and preparation of the sacred oil took place to the instructions in Exodus 30, 23-25. It is hollow and relatively small, designed to be filled with specially selected stones that have already been prepared. This altar is designed to be ready at a moment's notice, and it is able to be transported and assembled on the Temple Mount at a moment's notice. So I, I will say, and as, you know, as they're preparing the priests and they have the anointing oil, 
For those of you who don't know, Jesus will be anointed with that oil uh, before entering into the millennium. So, you know, everything that they're doing, and I've covered this in a series that I did, uh, and it was a broadcast on Jerusalem, what's happening there. And I I go through all of the things that are just lining up exactly as Scripture says, and, and so they're getting that ready. So I wanted to kind of point that out, that that's been going on over the last few weeks. Uh, the U.S. is now pressuring Israel to concede territorial waters. Uh, Joel 3.2 says, I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have divided up my land. So they are trying to uh, give up uh, territorial waters. I show this here on the right where the, uh, the, the disputed zone crosses between uh, the Mediterranean coast of Israel and going up the coastline north to uh, Lebanon. Um, so th- th- there's energy. They, they want to be able to, to drill there. They want to be able to uh, excavate that land or excavate the, the, uh, um, the, the land underneath the sea. So all of that is open, and they're trying to take it away from Israel. And the U.S. is trying to pressure them to do it. Um, but God gave this land to Israel, and it says he will judge the world how we, how we or the nations uh, um, deal with, deal with and, and trade with um, Israel. Uh, U.S. presidents continued attempts to convince or force Israel to make land concessions. George W. Bush did it. Obama did it. You know, they, Trump did it to an extent, and, and I'll get into this in a second, and Biden is doing it now. And this is really Biden's administration of, of what he's pushing. Um, <clears throat> there are people, and I understand this, and because and, I had to look at this closely, and they, these are people who were critical of the Abraham Accords and saying that um, the 45th president was pressuring them to give up land. And this is my opinion, and it's my opinion only, that he was trying to, he did that publicly because the Palestinians, or the politicians, I should say, not the people, uh, consistently over the last 30 years turned down the, all of the best possible deals. So I think what he was trying to do is expose that they will not engage no matter what we offer them. Once they turn that down, then he changed tactics completely and took the Palestinian equation out of it and negotiating the Abraham Accords with Bahrain, United Arab Emirates, and then later, um, <clears throat> who else did it? I'm sorry, Sudan and uh, Morocco. That's it. So at any rate, but this is what's going on now. These are, you know, this has been what's happening over the last couple of weeks. Then just today, uh, uh, there was Gaza terror groups are launching military exercises along the West Bank. Uh, these factions, they began a large-scale drill, drill I'm sorry, um, which is causing a lot of tensions and people are getting very nervous because, you know, they just had this war in the spring in May of 2021. And it really looks like, you know, with all the back and forth, and we'll cover some of that with what's going on with Iran and, and Israel, that that's starting to escalate again. Pieces are moving into place, and, and, and that's really what I kind of hope, hope to show you here, too. Uh, <clears throat> for those in America, and I'm sure others around the world have heard this, of, of the drastic, horrible tornadoes that we experienced in four of our states here in, uh, uh, in, in this past uh, uh, few weeks. 
and <clears throat> Kentucky uh, was was probably the hardest hit. I'm showing you images of the tornadoes and some of the homes and the, the, the property that was devastated. The point I want to bring out here, and I covered this as well uh, a little while back, where there is a, a very, very significant and something that I don't think you can deny of all of the uh, situations where America tried to force Israel's hand to land for peace, land for peace, land for peace. I don't have time to go into all of it, but it's overwhelming. Just the the incredible details down to the dates and hours of when things were negotiated and all of a sudden catastrophes would come upon America's lands and uh, you know our property, causing billions and billions of dollars in damage, never mind the loss of life. Uh, <clears throat> there's a gentleman named William Koenig who probably... Uh, uh, documents this better than anybody. And, and I think it's called an eye, an eye to the storm, an eye in the storm. Um, K-O-E-N-I-G, great, great uh, reporter, uh, centered, I think, still in Washington. But he's, he's very much about, you know, following the trends of, of what's going on according to prophecy as well. He's, he's one that I would say, you know, keeps an eye on the wall. But at any rate, um, he... It looks like you could tie this to our our government, United States government, pressuring Israel at the time. So uh, we had major events and meetings pertaining to the biblical land of Israel and record-setting corresponding catastrophic catastrophes in the U.S. The following are highlights of December 8th through 10th and a summary of the catastrophes. We need to continue to pray for those greatly impacted for these massive storms, I, I strongly urge you, whatever you can do, if you're able to prayerfully give, financially give to people affected in these areas, they need our help. Uh, maybe I, I don't have it ready here, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to maybe show a link or two that uh, I, I think are, are very worthwhile and trustworthy ministries that are getting money and, and food and supplies and water uh, into the right hands. Uh, below this section is the timeline for last week's record tornado. Uh, Kushner was in. Uh, Kushner was one of the. Uh, he was the son-in-law of the former 45th president, and a uh, had a tremendous influence on the um, uh, Abraham Accords. So anyway, he was in Abu Dhabi on the eighth. A memorandum of understanding resolving to build upon the foundation of the Abraham Accords was overseen by the former U.S. presidential advisor and signed by representatives from the Abraham Accords Peace Institute and the Shakara NGO in Abu Dhabi. Uh, Gantz, who is the, um, oh, you know what is, Gantz's role is with the military, it's kind of like a secretary of state, I forget exactly what, defense minister, I'm sorry. So he was in Washington, and I, I got to tell you, for the, from what I can see and what I can gather, they treated him pretty badly, and from December 8th to 9th, the Americans took a very tough stance in support of the um, Iranian negotiations. As you know, they're trying to uh, push this through, and uh, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken insisted they devote equal time to discussing settlements as they did to Iran. Uh, which really baffled the uh, the Israelis, you know. So they were kind of getting back to you need to stop the settlements, you need to again land for peace, land for peace, and at the same time these tornadoes took place. So you know you could call it a coincidence. 
I, I personally don't, and I and I think if you follow a lot of what Bill Koenig has the the research that he's done on this over the past twenty five or thirty years has been just astounding. The 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 amount of detail, and again, I've covered it in a broadcast a little while back. Um, but you know, either way, if you're interested in that, I I found it fascinating that that God deals with you know people who who treat his treat Israel uh, the wrong way. Um, I, I kind of talked about this. The obsessed Biden administration puts settlements on par with the Iranian nukes. Um, the, the Americans bring up settler violence all the time. One senior uh, diplomatic source said with uh, um, uh, uh, Gantz. And I, and I should say that um, the information that came about when when he met with the Defense Department in America was vastly different that that kind of pressure did not come from the Defense Department, but it came from the State Department. But again, they were really pushing, uh, particularly Blinken and um, the 46th president, they want the two-state solution. Uh, they, they don't believe Israel it should be in, in its own sovereign nation. Um, now jumping quickly to something that really took place, I believe, in June, but it just came about on the 13th of December, the Israeli airstrikes that struck weapons facilities in Syria supposedly were now, they found out, were chemical weapons. So that information did not come out for a long time, but now it's, it's, it's out there. And all the more reason, uh, you know, what I would say is justification for that. Um, I think, you know, many people remember Bashar al-Assad, who is the president of, of Syria, he, uh, it, it, you know, took chemical weapons to his own people, to his own, to his enemies. And then um, the 44th president didn't do anything. That was the whole red line. 45th president put an end to it with a massive strike. And then now with the 46th president, whether <clears throat> this has to do with him trying to ramp it up again, I don't know. Um, but at any rate, Israel's, if that's the case, took care of it. Uh, staying with Syria for a second, and this just was announced yesterday, Israel plans a multi-million dollar settlement expansion in the Golan Heights. So the Golan Heights, again, you know, is a disputed territory. It's not, as far as I'm concerned, it's is Israeli territory, but they are, the the government is pushing expanded settlements in the Golan Heights, which inevitably will cause, um, you know, more fervor and more unrest in, in the uh in the response by most governments, all you need to do is look at what, what I opened with with the UN. There was a third uh, strike over the past several years at the Natanz nuclear facility, considered the most sophisticated and, and most well-known of the nuclear facilities in Iran. They struck this, and here I show you a picture of it. Um, <clears throat> interestingly, just a few days ago, whether it's in response to this or not, I'm not. I'm not really sure. But in a warning to Israel, Iran says it fired 16 ballistic missiles that are able to hit the country of Israel. Armed Forces Chief says the exercise is a response to Israeli threats. Will and there, he he said the uh, the leader of of the Iranian uh, uh, guards will cut off the Zionist regime's hands if they make a mistake. You know, that could be a lot of uh, bluster, but, you know, the, the I, I guess what I'm trying to point out here is the escalation between these two countries continues to build at a fever pitch. 
uh, jumping over to Saudi Arabia. I just wanted to pause for a second, too, because I think if you look at what's happening with the uh, um, Abraham Accords and the nations that joined it, and although Saudi Arabia did not join it as of yet, supposedly there is a strong interest and they supposedly had a a large influence in getting it over the goal line for the UAE and for Bahrain. Um, but so they've been having their issues with Yemen. And I, I show you on the map here on the right-hand side, they're on the southernmost part of Saudi Arabia. Uh, they are being helped and aided and facilitated by Saudi Arabia's enemy, Iran. And uh, this, so what they did was they were able to kill uh, the leader of the uh, of of the Iranian or the Houthis, which is their name for the the proxy from Iran, in there, and it's uh, supposed to be compared to what you know what we did, we the United States when they uh, assa- assassinated uh, Qasem Soleimani, um, and then they later got the uh, um, the nuclear scientists. I think that was done by uh, the the Israelis, but. It's it's along those lines and the relative or the uh, um, the notoriety that comes about from taking this leader out is considered to be along the same lines as the U.S. taking out uh, Soleimani. So this was done supposedly by Saudi Arabia. And I would not be surprised if intelligence was shared from Israel. We do know that, you know, this is kind of why I'm pointing out that the importance of the Abraham Accords. Uh, You have cooperation between Saudi Arabia and uh, Israeli intelligence, as well as Jordanian uh, and Egyptian, the UAE and uh, and Bahrain and others. Um, So there are there. The lines are kind of being drawn in the sand where you have the Iranians and the Iraqis and those north into Turkey and Russia. You know, that looks like that's going to be um, getting ready for the Ezekiel 38 war. But and then you have these others that are they're kind of hedging their bets towards Israel. But I will say that that's in jeopardy because of the 46th president, where they were pushing for a strong alliance with the U.S. In light of what we've seen over the past year, uh, and and I'll, I'll point out something where I do know that Saudi Arabia has been in, embarking upon arms negotiations with Putin and Russia. And, you know, if that 45th president was in office, that wouldn't happen. So, you know, those are some of the consequences of of what we're seeing here as well. Uh, Putin, just the other day, went on a four-hour tirade on Russian television. He gives an annual State of the Union kind of uh, speech where he's trying to, my understanding is he's trying to get the the citizens of, of, of Russia uh, up to speed as far as what his vision, his goal is, and kind of have them align with where he sees the or the the people, the enemies that he sees that he wants the support of the citizens that they see it as a threat as well. So a lot of this has to do with Western Europe, NATO, the United States. Uh, this has been going on for a while. I'm showing you a map here uh, where you get into uh, the southern parts of Russia, uh, Belarus, Ukraine. Uh, Moldova. Uh, These are all on the borderline of going into uh, Western Europe and and some of Eastern Europe that's on the side of of NATO. Uh, Poland, you have, there's threats right along the border there. Belarus is aiding that. I talked last month about 
Belarus threatening to cut off the gas line, which will fuel the energy into good parts, large parts of Europe. So that's being, uh, you know, put about. There's approximately 100,000 troops right now on the border of Ukraine. Um, and, and you have the full cooperation of Belarus. So it looks like Putin's getting ready to go in, whether he pulls the trigger or not, we don't know. But it certainly appears that way. And, you know, he has really gone, been very vocal about uh, his distrust and his stance against the United States and Western Europe and NATO in particular. Then you have what I think is an uh, is, is almost a game changer where uh, Russia and China are now forming some partnerships. They're forming some agreements. They have some energy agreements, military space agreements. Uh, they, they've agreed to have uh, um, their own space stations in the neighboring countries and support for one another. Um, Russia will be fueling in gas and energy into China, which it will need. Um, so there's, there's, I, I guess the enemy of my, I, I, it, it, yeah, the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So, uh, what was interesting is you saw, uh, in the United States where, uh, the 46th president had a, uh, a public, um, video conference with Vladimir Putin. Days later, he turns around and does the same with Xi Jinping of, of China. Uh, so, you know, that if you think about the proximity and the power of Russia and China working together and, and the impact that that could have in Europe is, is pretty significant. And if you look at Revelation, um, China and the 200 million man army is, is certainly alluded to uh, there as well. It's the only army in the world that holds 200 million people. And that's accounted for in the book of Revelation. So uh, that that's what's happening there. Now I wanted to jump to, from China, uh, what's going on in the church. And this is just, you know, we just finished Christmas on December 25th. And the CCP is having its input on what those sermons can and cannot say. So I have a quote here from Voltaire says, to learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize. The church is not allowed to criticize Xi Jinping, the Communist Party. They are to get in line with it. So it's gotten to the point where these beautiful, precious uh, Christians in China who are, you know, tremendously oppressed and, you know, they're they're worshiping, they're serving the Lord um, with with some incredible circumstances that I couldn't imagine, you know, because I'm fortunate enough to be in the United States with freedom of religion. Uh, but at any rate, so you've got them now dictating what you can and cannot say. Uh, I've talked about in the past how uh, the Chinese, I forget the name of the company, but the printer is uh, prints 80% of the world's Bibles. They're trying to now edit out certain sections, uh, particularly what I mentioned in Revelation, uh, that 200 million man army is being taken out. I, actually, I think the book of Revelation is being taken out. So, uh, you know, there you have these churches, these beautiful, precious people praying, serving the Lord, um, and then they're telling them what you can and cannot say. It also adds that it is a matters of confidence. It is a reference to the communist path theory system and culture. The party insists that church support its leadership and its positions. So you cannot say anything negative about the government in these churches. And for a lot of them, you know, you cannot even be, be saying or worshiping the Lord. So 
you know, pray by my, you know, my point is to bring this out, but also please keep these people in prayer. I'm going to switch gears for, for a few moments. We're going to talk about some trends that are happening in technology and culture, because that is lines up with a lot of what we see in the Bible as well. So there's a Swedish COVID vaccine pass that was recently developed that over 4,000 Swedes, they now have the chip implant for a wide range of issues. And this is what I'm going to cover a little bit about. I will say, and you know, if I don't know that I need to, but I will, this has not, this is not the mark of the beast or anything like that. But again, I believe this is greasing the skids. It's paving the paths for what could be coming down the road. The technology is there. The Swedish developer of COVID-19 passport chip that individuals implant into their skin has addressed privacy concerns over putting sensitive information in such an easily accessible form. The implant from tech firm Disruptive Subdermals is only 2 millimeters by 16 millimeters. So it just, you know, it sits at your at your fingertips. It can be scanned to reveal a user's vaccine information. So you put this chip in your in your skin underneath your fingernail. Um, I don't know that it can go in the forehead yet, um, but, you know, this is just one that can. Uh, but it has that information. The implants use near-field communications, the same technology that enables contactless, con- contactless payments, which opens a wide field for use of these chips. Uh, the, the managing director goes on to say, we know that the world of connected devices, the Internet of Things, as a lot of people call it, speaks the language of NFC. So when I have a chip in my hand, it allows me to speak the language of the different devices and interact with them effortlessly. So again, you, you can have your, uh, your, your banking information. It can have your tax information. It can have, you know, whether you're able to buy and trade or sell, whether you can do business or not. Do you have your, your passport? Can you travel? So all of this, this technology is there. It's, it's being utilized today. Uh, switching gears, United States on passport. Uh, they just re- uh, uh, put forth its first ex-gender. So now you don't have to be a man or a woman. You can be an ex-gender. Uh, they, they issued this in Denver, and they marked it as a recognition of rights of people who do not identify as a male or female, and it expects to be able to offer the option more broadly next year, the State Department said uh, this past Wednesday. So that's that's what's happening, too. World Economic Forum and Cyber Polygon. So uh, hopefully, you know, you've heard me speak about the World Economic Forum before. A lot of these guys, the Davos Group, the, uh, um, the, the globalists, a lot of the or a lot of the people who are very influential in uh, a lot of the direction that the globalists are going. Klaus Schwab being one of them. He is the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. Uh, very creepy guy. Uh, so here's something that he calls cyber polygon, which is, uh, it's, it's got a lot of momentum and a lot of power behind it. So listen to this technology and cybersecurity are, are of crucial importance in this COVID era. One of the most striking and exciting transformations caused by the pandemic an exciting and, you know, a striking transformation caused by the pandemic has been our transition to the digital everything, both in our professional and also in our personal lives. I'm glad that Cyber Polygon has proved itself as one of the most brilliant initiatives 
that addresses the need for developing and enhancing global cyber resilience in the field against cyber crime and cyber attacks. So what's happening is you you are now because of the uh, advance of technology and how it's changed with with COVID and how we interact with it, how we depend upon it, how businesses are are working, how you know we're transferring funds and and whatnot. Uh, so they've developed these these global groups and these global partnerships through this. So if you look at a picture on the right, it's cyber pandemic crisis coming bigger than COVID. And I, I circled this because they, they highlight the power grid and the banking swift. So think how creepy that is, where they can control, and they can, they can control this now. They could shut down a power grid if they wanted to in a nation or a continent um, and they can shut down banks. They can. They have that power and ability from a technology standpoint. It's there. So the, what they're doing is they're unifying the different companies and the nations uh, to work collectively and cohesively together. Um, in 2020, they had these results. 120 teams from 29 countries took part in the technical cybersecurity training of 2020. The live stream viewership reached 5 million people from 57 nations. So this is a massive effort that's being coordinated uh, among a great, <clears throat> a large scale of, of countries. So what is Cyber Polygon? Cyber Polygon is a unique cybersecurity that it's an event that combines the world's largest technical training for corporate teams and online conferences featuring senior officials from international organizations and leading corporations. So, you know, these are the Davos companies or, or the companies that were a lot of the executives that are uh, playing in Davos and World Economic Forum and the European banks and, and the World Bank. Uh, these are a lot of these players, and now they're pooling their resources and working together and cohesively uh, developing the best and the foremost in technology and in trends of which they can control. So they, you know, they they want to take advantage of COVID. They've put this system in place. It's It's been in place. I've covered this before in the past. Uh, you know, from the cloud, you can pretty much, you're getting very close to, um, if you took that chip that I just mentioned uh, earlier, and, you know, if you had your hub in the cloud, you could be accessing that from anywhere in the world. You could uh, have that person's information, whether they're, uh, you know, they have their medical clearance, their travel clearance, their financial clearance, their work clearance. All of these things, which are mentioned in the book of Revelation, are already now being put in place. So, again, you know, to me, that's another sign of, of, of what's coming, what's around the corner. Uh, watching the globalists. Uh, we continue to watch the globalists, these people that I'm talking about. Uh, they are the Klaus Schwab's, the George Soros of the world, the Bill Gates of the world, the uh, and, and so many more that we don't know their names. Um, uh, but if you, you know, you look around like United States right now, they, they just, uh, the, the Democrats took a little bit of a shellacking in the November uh, elections here. There wasn't a lot but it, it was a lot of pushback from people who are Americans who are sticking up for their freedoms and their rights and fighting back uh, the educational system, which I was delighted to see parents really getting involved. And, and so it was exciting to see, but it put the, uh, the progressives on their heels, if you will. 
So if you, you know, if you think about this, they are, they have control in the White House. They have control in, in the Congress. Uh, the House of Representatives, you know, it, it, that's limited. And now, you know, you've got almost a 50-50 or 51-49 Democrats. But, you know, we just had uh, the senator from West Virginia, Joe Manchin, really put the brakes on uh, this this reset that they were trying to implement, um, uh, which was the 46th President's administration, this massive, massive spending spree that, you know, they're trying to tout as costing nothing and, you know, will get us out of inflation when, you know, anybody with a modicum of common sense knows, you know, what they're trying to pull over. Uh, the world's central banks are continuing to planning, coordinate the reset plan of up to $130 trillion. So, you know, they, I guess my concern is they know their time is near. They know their time is running out. You're getting a lot of pushback from the people here. Um, whether they can control the elections coming up in 2022 remains to be seen. Uh, but they're certainly going to try. Uh Another another interesting thing. Are there many paths to heaven? This is switching gears to the culture now. Nearly 70% of born-again Christians say other religions can lead to heaven. In this study, they saw that 70% of a born-again Christians disagree with the biblical position that Jesus is the only way to God, according to a new survey from Probe Ministries. So, the, you know, where a, a lot of what the world is, is pushing, that there's many paths to heaven, many paths to God, you know, it's infiltrating into the church. There's a falling away of the church. This is, you know, the great apostasy. So we're seeing this, and, you know, these are some surveys that, you know, I'll, I'll allude to. Um, jumping down to the green highlight here, fewer than one out of five of these people strongly disagree with the statement, Mohammed, Buddha, and Jesus all taught valid ways to God. Only one in five disagree with that. So there's some, you know, interesting information there. Let me continue on that note. I'm going to shift gears a little bit into the millennials. Uh, I found this in- information very interesting, kind of because this is, you know, these are the young people, you know, that we need. That, uh, you know, they have. They're, they're so vital to to the direction and the future of the world. Um, the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University released an equally interesting and discouraging project about the millennial generation. Uh, the survey defines these young adults from 18 to 37. Uh, they administered 71 questions to 600 respondents in that age bracket. This is what I wanted to highlight. According to the study, millennials are characterized by a growing dissatisfaction with organized religion and the little understanding of a biblical worldview. Yet they express strong levels of respect for Jesus and the Bible. The research found that millennials desire to experience deeper, more meaningful relationships, and they struggle with relational conflict. Despite high levels of formal education, knowing what brings meaning and purpose to their lives eludes them overwhelmingly three-fourths of, of, of this generation. And perhaps most surprising and alarming, the research found skyrocketing levels of mental and emotional issues, including a majority admitting to regularly feeling anxious, depressed, or fearful. So, you know, there's a lot to glean from, and there's more information here if you want to look at it uh, on, on video. But what I find interesting is they have that respect for Jesus but they want a more deeper relationship 
in other words, I look at that saying they don't want the uh, just, you know, the religion kind of talk to them. They're looking for a relationship with Jesus, which I think, you know, a lot of the church is missing. So uh, what's interesting to me here is a lot of times we, I think the church in general tries to focus on or please them or, you know, make some things that will be a little bit glitzy or, you know, maybe lure them in. And I, I guess what I, what I really want to get at is there's nothing better than preaching the word or bringing the word, good teaching, good preaching, uh, good education that comes forth honestly with no frills, no bells and whistles, just the gospel, um, meaning Old Testament and New Testament. So, uh, you know, that's what I took. That's, you know, that's, that's my opinion. So I was encouraged by that aspect of it. Then I wanted to talk about Meta, which is the new Facebook realm. Uh, this was the new uh, logo and new information that they are now sharing. And I, I found this a little disturbing. Uh, Facebook announced that the company would change its name to Meta Platforms or Meta for short. CEO Zuckerberg said the company was committing itself to maintaining the Facebook social network while developing immersive technology known as the Metaverse. Uh, this is to take shape as a blend of virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and other technologies. Think, think of it as the internet brought to life or rendered in 3D. So I'm not going to play it here, but if you look at any of the commercials or some of the things on YouTube or some of the other video companies, look at some of these three, four, five-minute commercials. They're intertwining uh, virtual reality and, and your reality. In other words, your reality is not good enough, so we're going to bring this other new reality into it, and you will have a blend of it. Uh, he described this as a virtual environment that you can go inside of instead of just looking at on a screen. Essentially, it is a world of endless interconnected virtual communities where people can meet, you can work, you can play, you can get your virtual reality headset on, your reality glasses, your smartphone apps, your other devices, and have at it. Interestingly, meta in Hebrew means dead. So actually, you have a lot of Hebrew people in Israel kind of laughing at going, what are you doing here? Uh, there seems to be something lifeless about the desire to create a three-dimensional virtual world filled with digital avatars where people are supposed to play games, meet up with friends, spend digital currency. In Revelation, Jesus told the church in Sardis, I know your works, that you have a name and you are alive, but you are dead. Could that be, you know, uh, pointing to that? I don't, I don't know. Could be a stretch, but, you know, I, I did want to point that out. Um, you're, you're basically, what it really what it's saying is you're choosing the dead uh, metaverse over real life and a real life experience. So that to me is very creepy. Um, it's possible that the Antichrist could wind up using a human computer hybrid who projects himself as an avatar over the world. Because remember, he will be seen and will have great powers. And, you know, I, I personally think uh, AI or uh, artificial intelligence will play a role in this. Um, but, you know, we won't be around, or I won't be around for that. Paul writes that in the last days, the Antichrist will use lying wonders according to the works of Satan. Second Thessalonians, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, lying wonders. 
10, and with all the righteous uh, deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of truth that they might be saved. So, you know, move with caution, tread cautiously, uh, you know, when you're looking at what the next phase of Facebook is. And I wanted to close with this about BrainGate, because this is where you have the good and the bad, I'm going to say. But it's it's just amazing how the information, how our, uh, you know, more and more information, it's just growing exponentially in what we're capable of doing. So uh, BrainGate is a longstanding research collaboration which combines artificial intelligence and a brain-computer interface. This helped a paralyzed man translate his imagined handwriting into actual text. So what he imagined, they were actually able to put into form. He was the victim of a spinal uh, cord injury, and it affected his hands. During the experiment, uh, the man concentrated as if he were writing, effectively thinking about the letters. As he did this, electrodes implanted in his motor cortex signals of, of, of signals the brain activity, which were then interpreted by algorithms running on an external commu- computer, and it decoded the subject's imaginary pen trajectories, which mentally traced the 26 letters of the alphabet and some basic punctuation marks. In other words, the system used electrodes implanted in the brain to interpret neural activity that the imagined letters and use them to create rapid and accurate text, according to the researchers in the study. So, you know, there's some good things that can come out of it, but I, I guess what I wanted to point out here is, you know, we're, we're starting to get close to an area that could be, could be very subject. Let me put it that way. So I, I'm just going to close with this one question. How do we embrace technology to promote good things while also setting boundaries around it that honor God. And I think that's one of the challenges that the church has today, to certainly utilize technology, get the gospel out around the world, uh, you know, share the message. Church services, because of COVID, are online, and, and they're able to develop apps and get, you know, so many things out there, which is wonderful. But, you know, you, you we have to be discerning. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. So, this is kind of a, a highlight of, of what I see in the world over the past four or five weeks. I just wanted to, you know, kind of bring that out, give you a 30,000-foot a view of what's happening around the world as it pertains to, uh, you know, what the Bible has to say and, and, and Bible prophecy and the imminent return of Jesus. So on that note, I just want to thank you for your time. Hopefully you enjoyed some of this information. It was uh, you know, you were able to take something from it and maybe, you know, if you can, I'd love it if you wouldn't mind sharing it and, and shoot me a question, shoot me a comment. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Do you agree? Do you disagree? It's all good because any exchange of information is always good and it's always helpful. So, uh, shoot me an email at russicoutlook at gmail.com. Any questions or comments? And when you see these things, if you don't know the Lord, again, I'm pointing out that these are signs that these things are coming. Now, you know, we know of, of, of certain things that will be coming towards the second coming. Um, but what happens before that, meaning the rapture of the church and the calling away of the church, um, there, there are no specific signs that have to happen or no events have to happen before that meeting. And Jesus said, you know, he could come at any day. We need to be ready. We need to be prayerful. We need to be mindful. So on that note, if you don't know the Lord, I strongly encourage you 
to seek him, ask him into your heart. Uh, you know, everybody knows if you if you really want to get honest with yourself, you're you're a sinner, and that you've missed it. But if you accept Jesus into your heart, He will pave the way for a glorious, glorious life here and now and for all of eternity. So thank you again for your time. My name is Mark Russick. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook, and remember, as always, just my opinion.